0: chumbacasino.com live the chumba life no purchase necessary prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details hello everybody and welcome back thank you very much for joining me now i know you like to bring me to bring you breaking news and that's why i have tonight there's a young girl gone missing in the brick and beacons and she went missing this weekend October the 12th, 13th of 2019 and there have been a number of missing people all the way back to report that also came in to me today from Chris Hough and I would like to link the two reports and a number of other strange happenings in the Brecon Beacons and see if we can help or if we can dig up any information in any way. Now as I say, Chris Hough, as you all know, um, is a paranormal investigator but he also is a witness to a cryptid creature and he does what I do. He looks wherever he can for stories that may hold some kind of clue. And one of those stories is a very tragic story of a five-year-old boy who became lost on the mountains of the Brecon Beacons, South Wales in the summer of 1900. And it's been told countless times down the generations and touched the hearts of many. And when a young miner's son... Tommy Jones, perished on the Brecon Beacons in the summer of 1900. It shocked an entire community local archive, newspapers said. On the 4th of August 1990, the Saturday before bank holiday, a miner from Merdy at the head of the rondovach decided to take his five-year-old son with him to visit the child's grandparents, who still farmed near Brecon. Father and son, William and Tommy Jones, arrived in the town by train at about six o'clock in the evening. From there, they had to walk four miles to reach Cum a little farmhouse deep in the valley to the north of the Brecons, and it was owned by William's parents. By about eight o'clock in the evening, the pair had reached the area called the Lochin, where soldiers were in camp for training at the rifle range in the valley. And the Brecons are hard terrain. The SAS train there. So much so, the soldiers who train there call it the Death Yomp as the local craggy outcrops and bleak terrain makes any activity a very dangerous pursuit. And it was only this year that two soldiers died in August of this year in the harsh conditions whilst on active training duty. It had been a very very warm day back in 1900 and a very long journey, which in turn was topped off by a very long walk. And though they had only a quarter of a mile furthest to go to reach the farmhouse, William Jones was glad to stop at the camp for refreshment and to buy little Tommy a penny worth of biscuits at the canteen. By chance, as they were enjoying the break, and within a few minutes, the grandfather also arrived at the canteen while they were there. And he had with him 13-year-old Willie John, Tommy's cousin. Willie was quickly sent back to Cumlach to warn the household of the arrival of visitors, and Tommy, wanting to join him, ran off with his cousin up the valley to the farm. Now the boys had to cross two rough plank bridges, and they are what they sound as, two planks of wood over the river. One without any handrail, which would scare any person of any age, let alone a small boy out in the dark in an unfamiliar place. Now in the falling light, the streams and trees were perhaps too frightening for the small boy, as he was brought up amongst closely packed houses in the town. And at any rate, when the two of them had got about halfway to the farm, Tommy started to cry and he wanted to go back to his father. Willie, his cousin, let him go back on his own and the two boys parted ways. Willie completed his errand to let the family know William had arrived and then he raced back to help the grandfather and his uncle on the return journey. He ran so fast he was back at the camp within about a quarter of an hour of leaving to begin with. So only 15 minutes had elapsed. But he was shocked to see that young Tommy had not returned. Our father and grandfather and cousin immediately started looking for him. And soon, about 20 minutes later, they were joined by soldiers from the camp and the hunt to find Tommy was truly on. Now they searched all night and at midnight the search was halted because it was so dark. But at sunup at 3am on the Sunday morning... The men began to search again. The police and the general public also joined in to help and the net spread wider. But no sign of the boy was discovered that day. And so the search continued through the following weeks. Every day, search parties of police troops, farmers and other volunteers combed the area systematically, looking for any sign of the boy. The tall bracken was cut back short and the woodland was ransacked in the search. And it was at one point suggested that Lake, the local water source, should be dragged. But it's thought unlikely that the boy could have gone as far up the mountain as that, said the locals. It seemed more probable that he had fallen off one of the footbridges into the stream, or had simply wandered straight down in the valley and instead of turning right to cross the second bridge to camp, Thus, the search was concentrated in the close and wooded country around Lochin and down the valley, as far as the Brecon waterworks. Inevitably, with the continued failure to find any trace of the boy, theories of kidnapping gained favour. Now, these now held the only hope for the boy, and that he might be still found alive. And back in the day, as you know, gypsies were blamed for everything, and so was the kidnapping. At that time, they were saying that gypsies in the Brecon Beacons had kind of taken him. And it would appear that there were numerous camps of them in Breconshire and neighbouring counties, but that doesn't mean that they did anything. All were uncircumcised and ransacked by the police during the search without success. Now, the affair aroused national concern and reports of the missing boy and suggestions for lines of inquiry came from all parts of the country. The Daily Mail took an interest in the matter and offered a reward of £20 to anyone who could solve the mystery. Now, the announcement of the reward was made, among other means, by the Brecon Town Crier. The Daily Mail also sent a special commissioner to Brecon, who during the time he was there won considerable admiration and respect for his work on the problem. It was under his influence that the gypsy theory lost ground. An abduction by a childless woman or a couple thought to be more likely. He also mentioned the possibility of murder, but dismissed it in the very same sentence. Only after several weeks did Tommy's father yield to the pleas of friends to return home to murder, but he was soon back again, and he was one of several people who climbed to the top of the beacons in their despairing searches, and it was not he who made the gruesome discovery, however. A Mrs Hamer, a gardener's wife of Castle Maddoch, some miles north of Brecon, having read the many accounts of the search, is said to have dreamed of the very spot where Tommy was found. Now she spent a couple of restless days mulling this over before finally persuading her husband to borrow a pony and trap on Sunday the 2nd of September to take her and some of her relatives to the Brecon's and they'd never been there before. Mrs. Hamer did not believe that they would succeed. Oh, Mr. Hamer did not believe her and the relatives didn't believe that they would succeed where so many had failed, but they went anyway. But later that day, Mr. Hamer was able to claim, lay claim to the reward as they reached the top of the ridge immediately above Lynn The newspaper later reported they made a horrible discovery. As they were making their way towards the peaks across some open ground, Mr Haymore, who was a few yards in front of the others, started back with an exclamation of horror. For there in his path lay the remains of a body, and it was identified and brought down the same day. At the inquest on the Tuesday, the jury had no difficulty in bringing in a verdict of death through exhaustion and exposure. But no one managed to explain how this little five-year-old Short and stout of his age, tired and hungry after a long day and the walk from Brecon, how he'd managed to reach the spot where his body was found. It was some 686 metres above sea level, a climb of about 400 metres uphill from the Lochin, At least two miles over difficult ground, probably in the dark. Certainly, it had not been considered worthwhile to make a systematic search of the high ground. The father must have passed within dozens of yards of the body a few days before its discovery when he searched. But by this time, after the body had been out for so long, it would have probably just been bones. And the newspaper said it looked much like a boulder in the long grass. Now, various people who detailed local knowledge have suggested that Tommy might have wandered uphill to the left of his path when he started to return to the camp, or that he could have crossed the first front bridge, but not the second, just below the junction of the two streams and lying at right angles to the first. Both have now disappeared, though the ford beside the first, uh, where the first bridge would have been is still there and it's still in use. In retrospect, the latter seems to be the more likely explanation, says the newspaper. If Tommy turned left here instead of right, he would have started up the side of Pemberland, following what was presumably the most direct route between the soldiers' camp and the rifle range. Alternatively, he might have continued downstream a little further and then veered to the left on the path towards Lin-Bedou, I think that's pronounced that way, In either case, he probably joined the track which zigzags up Pemmerlin, climbing steeply to high ground. Now, perhaps by this time, confused and panic-stricken in the falling daylight, he hoped he was returning uphill to his grandfather's farm, not realising until later how hopelessly lost he was. Now, for many years, his family kept the sailor suit with the collarette which he'd been wearing. They kept his little boots, which with had pathetically worn soles, it says, and the whistle which he carried on a string around his neck. Now, today, the spot where Tommy's body was found is marked by an obelisk. The jurors at the inquest gave their fees to start a fund for this memorial, and they were joined by Mr Hamer, who contributed a part of his reward, and many other citizens. And by July of the following year, 1901, the inscribed stone was redder and was hauled on a horse-drawn sledge up to the top of the ridge. Since then, thousands of walkers must have paused beside it and been reminded of the small boy who fell victim to the beacons through exhaustion and exposure. Now, 90, what, remember, a newspaper article included the following account and this came in in 1980 and 1981. Ninety years old, Mrs R.M. Martin of Hitchin, Herefordshire, sends her recollections of the tragedy of Tommy Jones. I must be one of the very few people left alive to have a vivid recollection of that time, she said. It was August 1900. I was nine years old when Tommy went missing. I was born in the postern Brecon, the youngest daughter of P.C. Frederick George Howard. My father was in charge of the search party that went daily for a month, tramping all over the area looking for the little boy. He even got the local farmers to cut down the shoulder-high bracken that was in some parts to help the search party. Also, the South Wales borderers had a search party daily. How well I recall that Sunday, the 2nd of September 1900, when they found him. It was Sunday school anniversary service at the Dr. Coke Memorial Wesleyan Chapel in Lyon Street. And the service had just finished when a tremendous outcry went up. The little boy was found. We rushed out and several boys boys cycled up to the spot, including Sidney Martin, whom I married many years later. There is an old pamphlet out there actually and the photograph on the front of the now out of print victim of the Beacons pamphlet was taken by Jack Clark who for many years had a souvenir and postcard business in the high street. He was 16 years old at the time and he was interested in amateur photography. Many years later from the photograph she says I was able to recognise those standing around as the little boys as his remains were carried down the mountainside on an impoverished stretcher. My father leading the way with Sergeant Hans at the rear. My father was so concerned that the photograph showed him smoking a clay pipe. For smoking on duty was definitely against the rules. It was I who supplied the information that a farmer at the scene had given him this pipe to counteract the odour, which prevailed in the area. I remember my father got the negative from Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jack Clark, and he scratched the pipe out on a piece of plate so that no further prints would show it. But this made the fact more noticeable, and the negative was hencefully destroyed. Now, the idea of the obelisk was my father's. And it was he who obtained twenty pounds and the £100 reward to start the subscriptions towards it. And he also suggested that the jurymen might contribute their fees. He suggested that the obelisk should be erected a little distance from the actual spot where the body was found, to be in a more visible position. Many years later, my brother-in-law, Walter Martin of Clovelly, lamphist who was an observer for the parish at St David's, finding the obelisk was in very poor condition. He went up, the family party, armed with buckets and brushes, and he cleaned the stonework and Walter re lettered the inscription and the Obelisk can be found on the approach to corn dew now the obelisk, as I say, marks the spot where Tommy Jones H five was found. He lost his way between Cumliffe Farm and the Lochin on the night of August the fourth nineteen hundred and that's the inscription on the um Obelisk now hundred and seventeen years later. Almost to the month, we have a string of very strange missing people along the Breckens. Four Albanian commandos vanish on a NATO training mission in the Brecon Beacons, sparking an MOD hunt as police back home quiz their families. On October 12, 2017, I remember this date, four Albanian commandos who vanished from a training mission in Britain are feared to be in hiding. The soldiers' disappearance was kept under wraps while police and the Ministry of Defence launched their hunt. They had been identified as Rene Ajazi, Yabir Kotri, Alexander Shikuluk and Clevis Lemjach. The four commandos were among a group of 11 Albanians on a NATO exercise in mid-Wales. They were supposed to return to barracks and fly back the next day. A source told the newspaper... The exercise was being run by the Brecon-based 160th Infantry Brigade and Headquarters Wales. It saw 139 teams from all over the world completing challenges, including a 37-mile march over the Black Mountains. Now, A military source in the capital of Albania, Captain Tiriana added, Top brass are fuming. The families of the missing men have been questioned and the investigation is proceeding in Britain and in Albania. Now, the missing commandos, who were veterans of conflicts in Afghanistan, earned around £220 a month. They travelled to Britain to represent Albania in a military exercise and the sergeant said, I asked them to return to their country as soon as possible. The armed forces and police feel the men vanished during the exercise and all four have been accused of desertion. Although, why the authorities jumped immediately to this conclusion? Without any evidence, all the men have wives and loved ones at home. They attended willingly and they also had future plans. With so little information released, how do we know that they did just not vanish in the same way two other people did in the years to follow? Within two years, there will be a number of other missing people. Just 19 months after the soldiers disappeared, a man from the area who is known to frequent the SAS training area at Penwiffan also went missing in the same area as young Tommy Jones. George and Murray, 32, from Aberde, was reported missing on August 2nd, 2018. And if you remember, Tommy went missing um, in August. A £2,000 reward has been offered and searches of the countryside have been carried out. Jordan, a popular valleys man, was last seen a fortnight ago, say his family and friends, and they are desperate for him to come home. Concern is growing for Jordan Moray, who was last seen in his hometown of Abadere on july twenty sixth, of twenty eighteen. Now large scale searches oh no twenty nineteen, sorry, large scale searches of the area have been carried out and thousands of leaflets printed, as well as appeals on social media. And a friend of the missing 32-year-old is also offering a £2,000 reward for information. Mr Moray was obsessed with the Army Training Centre and he was a fit runner having taken part in the fan dance in 2018, a 24-kilometre endurance run around Pen Yifan following the infamous route of the SAS selection march, the Deadly Yomp. Mr Bowen drove down from his home in North Wales to Aberdeer after hearing Mr Jordan was missing and brought his own military equipment to help with the search. He is issuing radios to those volunteering to help, as well as maps and offering his own experience. Search parties have been using the Aberdare fire station as their base, but have since moved to the White Lion on Gadley's Road in Aberdeer. Mr Bowen is hoping the financial incentive will encourage a wider audience to get involved in the search. He's also printed 2,000 posters with Mr. Moran's picture on and put them up across Aberdare and Brecon. Search efforts by volunteers have shifted towards the Brecon Beacons, where they hoped Mr. Murray could be. His interests were around the Brecon Beacons, but the Brecon Beacons is a vast area, added Mr. Brown. South Wales Police confirmed it was looking into Mr. Murray's disappearance. A spokesperson for the police said we are appealing for information on the whereabouts of a 32-year-old Jordan Moray from Aberdare. He was reported missing to us on August the 2nd and we are concerned for his welfare. Detective Inspector David Cole urged anyone with information to come forward. We are really concerned for Jordan. His disappearance is out of character. Our inquiries to trace him are continuing, including CCT, CCTV, speaking with witnesses and searches of Jordan's flat and the surrounding area and the area around the reported sighting of Jordan on the 29th of July. Jordan Jordan is an outdoor enthusiast who has extensive knowledge of the local area. I would urge anybody you have seen or heard from him who has information about where he may be should contact us immediately. I am very grateful for the information we have received from members of the public so far, and are continuing to follow up on all reported sightings of Jordan. Now, police are appealing for a dark-haired woman in connection with the disappearance of Mr Moray, and inquiries are ongoing as of the 15th of the 10th 19. Now, this weekend, Brooke Morris went missing. Two years and one day from the missing soldier's the rivers of the Brecons are being searched in the hunt for a 22-year-old rugby player who went missing this weekend, the 12th of October 2019. So that's two years and one day apart. And if you notice, this, um, Jordan and Tommy ha- went missing in August. So it seems, a, you know, just a little pattern that I've noticed. Searchers are scouring the rivers for the young rugby player in Wales who has been missing for three days. They, um, Brooke Morris, 22, from Merthyr Chidville, was last seen in the early hours of Saturday morning. Rescue parties have fanned out across the waterways in Tree Harris and Merthyr Tidville's south as they search for the missing woman. Authorities say Miss Morris was last seen at around 2.40am on Saturday, October twelfth, 2019, reports Wales Online. The Nelson RFC rugby player is described as being 5 foot 3 inches tall, slim build with long dark hair and she was last seen wearing boyfriend style jeans and a long red sleeve top on monday morning nelson rfc shared a picture of miss morris and thanked volunteers for the help the club said the response and love shown for brooks has been amazing hats off to her teammates and the endless amount of volunteers that have searched tirelessly in the last few days Volunteers were asked to meet at 11am at Treeharris Rugby Club today to coordinate the search party, And the search is ongoing at the moment. Now, Trelewis councillor Cheryl Jago this morning said water searches were being carried out as a part of the inquiries. She said, if anyone else wants to help, please be there by 11am in the morning. I appreciate that there is a lot of people already at the club waiting for guidance, but these things need to be coordinated so nothing is missed. Water-based searches will also be carried out today. In a statement, both Western and Central Brecon Mountain rescue teams said they were called to help police search in high-priority areas, in Trey and prominent watercourses around the area. Teams were stood down on Sunday pending police inquiries. Now, the Brecon Mountain research team said high-priority areas in and around prominent watercourses were quickly identified and our water train members were deployed into those areas, some proving to be quite challenging following the recent periods of rainfall. With further areas to be searched, we deployed hill search parties, as well as calling upon support from Western Beacons Mountain Rescue Team. Brecon Mountain Rescue Team and SADA, which is Search Dogs for South Wales, for additional search areas, with large areas of land and water covered by nightfall, we've been stood down pending ongoing police inquiries. If anyone has information regarding Brooks' whereabouts, please contact South Wales Police. Now, I am not suggesting there is any link to these missing people and the many cryptid creature reports that we have in the Brecon Beacons. And the area itself is known for paranormal activity, strange crafts, lights in the sky, ghost lights, and all manner of of strangeness. I did find a number of strain animal kills in the area as well, reported by farmers and hikers alike. Now, a decade of clinical animal mutilations in Wales is being investigated by pathologists, I found out. They suspect aliens may be to blame, it says. So many cattle have been, so many cattle have been mutilated. The organisation called the Animal Pathology Field Unit was set up in 2001 to investigate these strange deaths. They were formed after sheep and cattle were discovered dead, with strange surgical-type injuries all across the beacons. Reports have since been produced on mutilated lambs in Bedgeler, Gwynedd, slaughtered texel rams in Plumph Diffid and a farm in Bledfa, Powys, where it is claimed 20 ewes go missing on a yearly basis every June. Now, the organisation claims the injuries are far too sophisticated to be being caused by predators and animals have been killed in locations which are difficult to reach without being detected. And Phil Hoyle of the APFU says the curious lack of blood or footprints at the scene is unnerving. Despite the surgical removal of large amounts of tissue, there's nothing on the ground. He states it means extraterrestrials can't be ruled out as a cause for these attacks. He said, we are looking to the UFO connection and things people are describing. Unconventional things entering the sea and leaving the sea around this area. We have some farmers that have seen unusual lights and found animals killed in an extremely surgical way. Do you know of any strange reports in the area? any strange cattle kills, any mutilations, anything that you've heard about that could tie in with these stories? Have you experienced something yourself? If so, please get in touch, and we can help you in your search for answers. If you want to become a member of the team, just get in touch, and we can sort it all out from this side for you. And if not, if you just want to have a Google online and see if you can come up with anything, just pop it over to me at Debbie Hatswell at gmail.com, and um, I will get back to you as soon as I can. I hope you enjoyed that encounter. And if you've got any information on any of the missing people reported to the police, if you don't want to give your name, just do it by Crime Stoppers. It's only one call and it could change, you know, things for the family. So until next time, thank you very much for taking the time to listen. And I'll be back shortly with some um other very interesting reports for you. Good night, everyone.